0: About five years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Radio City Music Hall at Christmas, um, which some of you may be aware of. Radio City Music Hall is the home of the Rockettes. I really don't care, but it is. Um, And we went to the Christmas Spectacular, all right? Um, My mom and my dad and my siblings and their spouses and my wife, we all went to the the Radio City Music Hall Christmas celebration with the Rockettes. And I got to tell you, they covered every reason for Christmas, that I've ever heard of and some that I didn't hear of, right? They covered Hanukkah. They covered Kwanzaa. They covered Rudolph. They covered Santa and Frosty and all these other reasons. And there, yes, in the middle of New York City, in the middle of Christmas, we sang Christmas carols that we would sing in church. And there in the middle of all the, of the extravaganza, the animals came forth. And the, the, the shepherd and the wise men came forth. There were no rockets at the manger. Thank the Lord, all right? Uh, and, and there, in the middle of this grand stage with 5,000 people, there was a manger per- portraying the birth of Jesus. And I'll never forget the conversation that took place right in front of me. There was a mom and a little girl, probably four or five years old. And the little girl, you know, because it's loud and somewhere like that, she said, loud enough for me to hear, she said, Mom, who's that on stage? And the mom said, Well, those are some pretend kings. And the little girl said, No, Mom. Who's the baby? And the mom said, It's Jesus. And the little girl said, Who's that? And the mom's reply was, Oh, honey, it's another story about Christmas. And I remember sitting there thinking, is this really happening? Am I supposed to go preacher on them, like jump across? (laughs) And so for about 30 seconds, it just kind of hung there for a minute. And the little girl said, with all innocence, she said, Mom, when will Santa and all the reindeers come back out? And the mom said, oh, don't worry. They'll be gone in a minute, and they'll come back out. You know what that little girl was asking her mom, point blank, who is Jesus? This week and next week, that's the question that I want to ask you to answer for yourselves, not because you've grown up in church or not because you're your first time being here, but but for you to wrestle with scripture that we're going to examine this week and next, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus, period? That's a a big question to answer in just two weeks of sermons, but we're going to do our best. And so this morning, we're going to look at who is Jesus. And so I'm not going to talk about, and, and, you know, you've got your Christmas traditions. Some of you have yard art, all right? You've got, you got all kinds of stuff in your house, and you've got decorations outside. Great, fantastic. Some of you have a tree. Some of you don't have a tree. Some of you do presents. Some of you don't. Uh, we, we'll stay away from the whole Santa discussion on a Sunday morning, all right? You've got all these things that are going around at Christmas, and can I just be so blunt and say that's not what Christmas is about? Now, I know it's fun, I know it's enjoyable, and I'll do some of the same festivities and traditions that you will. But what I want you to wrestle with, what I want you to examine, what I want you to walk out of here thinking is, who is this Jesus that every year, at least in my house, we get the decorations out, we bring them downstairs, we open up the boxes, and in just about every box is a nativity, and we set them all out, and there's Jesus. And what I want you to see this morning, whether your nativity is a little tiny one or whether it takes up half your living room or your front yard, I want you to look at that picture, that image of Jesus. And I want it to absolutely bring beauty and glory to Christmas. Because that's what's there. So now, today we're going to look at a bunch of passages of Scripture um, it, is, it is one of those Sunday mornings that all the scriptures are listed in the worship guide for you because we're going to jump through a bunch of them. We're not even going to do them all in order. I know for some of you that's hard to imagine. We're just going to jump around and look at some different passages of scripture because I want you to see what did, who did, what did scripture say who Jesus is, and I want you to see who did Jesus say that Jesus is. So if we want to wrestle with it, let's go directly to the source, but it's going to require us for our minds to be blown this morning by Scripture. If there's there's a part of this morning that you're, you're sitting there thinking, wow, that is really hard for me to comprehend, join the crowd, everybody in the room. If you're awake or you're not on Facebook in the service, you'll be thinking the same thing, right? There's a lot of content, a lot for us to walk through, so hang in there with me as we walk through all these passages of Scripture. So what I want us to see this morning is that in order to have a proper view of Jesus at the manger, we've got to have a high view of Jesus Christ at creation. Now I know that's maybe something you've never attached the two before, that the Christ of creation brings authority and power to the Christ of the manger that we celebrate, that we set out to celebrate every year. Paul is going to write to a group of people in the book of colossians which we're going to be for part of this morning and he's going to write to these people because they were living a time period just years after the birth the life the death the resurrection the ascension of jesus but they are a, a church in a town called Colossae, and there's a group of people that are beginning to infiltrate the church with a teaching called Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism isn't a word we throw around very often around here uh, in our culture, but it really it does take place around here because here's what's happening. The church of Colossae was being told by the Gnostics, hey, you can think that Jesus did some miracles, and you can think that he had some significant teachings, but Jesus was not the authority that he claimed he was. Sounds a little bit like 2018. You can, you can refer to Jesus and you can set up some Jesus, but he's really not the authority that you think he is. That's what the Gnostics wanted the people to believe. That's what they were beginning to speak into the church. And, be, and so Paul is writing to say, hey, listen, that's not the truth. Let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you who Jesus is why it's important for you to understand this, why it's important for you to comprehend this then and as it is now. So the first thing I want us to see this morning is Jesus is above and before all creation. Jesus is above and before all creation. Now again, there's several moments in here this morning that your mind's gonna be churning and thinking, and one of the things you're just gonna have to realize this morning is the great thing about this is that you are not God, All right, Uh, And God is God in our little limited minds that exist in about zero to a hundred years. We cannot fully comprehend even what we're examining this morning, but we are going to do our best and allow the Holy Spirit to just pour this into us. Jesus is above and before all creation. Listen to this, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 through 17 says, He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him all things hold together. Now, two words there in that opening verse, in verse 15, we we need to unpack a little bit because... Uh, Oftentimes, when we read a, a word in our English translation, we lose some of because of the translations and because the meanings there that take place and it's the inability for us to get it perfect. But there's a word there. He says, he is the image of the invisible God. This word image is the word icon. It's the word from which we derive and get the word for copy. Now, I think that's a pretty weak translation there of a word of copy. Because when we take a copy of something, we take a piece of paper, we lay it on the copy, or we press print, and it comes out, and we have this replica of. This passive scripture is not merely saying that Jesus is a replica of God. He is saying he is the substance of God. With him and in him are who God is. You can't separate it. He is the visible form of a holy God. He has the full substance of God. He has everything that he needs to have authority and dominion. So yes, he is that copy, but he is the substance of. You can grab, grab that this morning. But then he also says he is the firstborn of all creation. Now I am the fourthborn of my parents creation all right i am the baby in my family any other babies in the family babies all right you're the last born if you don't know what that means um i don't know if any of your siblings have done the same thing that they've done to me my entire life they make me think that it's a bad thing to be the baby they're like oh you're spoiled and oh you get everything your way and about five years ago i just looked at them and i said it doesn't bother me you're right and i'm good with it you're the one who has the problem with it all right But when we think of firstborn, in our society, we go firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn. It is a sequential set of numbering. This is not the wording here. This wording, he is the firstborn, it means he is the supreme, the highest ranking of all creation. Nothing above him nothing compared to he's not in order like number one two three four five six seven and somewhere down the line you fall no he is the supreme authority of all creation so why is this important to you why should this be important to us because if you do not believe that jesus is the image of god the substance of god made flesh if you do not believe he is the representation of God, if you do not believe he has the authority and he is the supreme of all creation, then there is little hope in the manger. It's an empty, boxed-up set. But if we will grasp this Christmas season, Who Jesus is, according to Scripture, he is the firstborn of creation. He is the image of the invisible God. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. Translation, he is in control of all things for all time. Yes, exactly over here three-month-old five-month-old gave me a hallelujah i think that's what it was if you don't believe jesus was god in the flesh then he's simply another teacher he's simply another figure in history the colossians were facing a group of teaching of people that were saying hey he he taught well he did some great things but he's not an authority scripture says opposite he is all things were created by him through him visible invisible what that means jesus planned creation he produced creation and he did it for his own pleasure and he allowed you to be a part welcome to the planet This is Jesus. As God's son, he was and is in charge. There was never a time, I know this is mind-boggling for you and for me, there was never a time in the history of the world that Jesus was not in existence. You go, yeah, but there's a baby moment. He was never, there was never a moment that he was not in existence. There was never a moment that he wasn't in dominion. There was never a moment that he wasn't over all authorities. He holds everything together. Praise God. This was one of the very reasons why the Jewish people wanted to have Jesus stoned and killed because Jesus made statements about himself that were above a teacher. He made references about himself being before all things, being above all things, being before certain people in history. And the Jewish people said, hey, we we can't have this guy teaching those type of things. C.S. Lewis says this, we may note in passing that Jesus was never regarded as a mere moral teacher. He did not produce that effect on any of the people who actually met him. He produced three main effects, hatred, terror, or adoration. There was no trace of people expressing mild approval of Jesus. The Jewish people, they could tolerate him teaching. They could tolerate some miracles, but the teachings he was projecting to them, they could not stand around and watch because it would crumble their system. It would dig deep into their history. Jesus was proclaiming Himself to be the one that history had prophesied about for thousands of years. He's saying, it's me, guys. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, there's a promise that there would be a Savior that would come and He would be born in Bethlehem. And it says this, But you, O Bethlehem Ephratah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from Me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem, check. The prophet also says, hundreds of years before Jesus' arrival, He is coming from ancient days. He's always been. He always will be. There was a guy in the New Testament, his name was John the Baptist. John's a pretty significant figure in in Scripture. He died Uh, very early on in the gospel accounts because he was martyred for his faith and trust in Jesus um, and for acknowledging who Jesus is. But John the Baptist was just a few months, year older, months older than Jesus and he was a foreteller. He would tell people that Jesus was coming. Now John the Baptist was born before Jesus. But then John the Baptist, I want you to see this, the first time John the Baptist sees Jesus, listen to what he says in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me shall come a man who ranks before me because he was before me. That's a head scratching moment if you're listening, right? No, no, no. John, you got this all wrong. He was born after you. No, he ranks above me because he was before me. So, John, a figure in history, is acknowledging Jesus was before me. Although in birth order he was after me, he was before me, he existed. This was important enough for John to proclaim. This is important enough for Jesus to proclaim about himself and even where he was coming from. John chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus said of himself, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He's saying, listen guys, I have existed before all things, I am all things, and I am coming directly from heaven. I'm not from around here. Translation. Jesus was in existence in heaven prior to the manger. It is quite evident that Christ was making a point to those in time that he was before all things, that he had a home in heaven and he descended to this earth, to this broken, painful earth in a form of a baby. God made flesh. When questioned about the existence and claims about Abraham, now this is really important. The Jewish people... They really put their lineage and their heritage in a guy by the name of Abraham, who in the Old Testament was promised, and he was the father to the nation of Israel, very central figure in the Jewish people's lives, the people that are listening and hearing this message is taught for the first time. And Jesus declares to them that he existed before Abraham, and Abraham lived a couple thousand years before Jesus. They're a little confused. And listen to their question. In John chapter 8, so the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? Valid question, right? You're 30, 35, you're not even 50 yet, Jesus, but you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, yes, yes, absolutely. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Just in case you don't make that connection, Jesus states, I was before all of your history, before all of your historical figures, before Abraham, the father of the people of Israel. I was and is. Before all your religious dates, before all your traditions, I was, I am. Jesus later on says, And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you, So it's part of the Trinity with God that I had with you before the world existed. Read this last phrase with me, before the world existed, when I get to it, all right? So you just chime in on the word before. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. This is not a random theologian talking about Jesus. This is not an apostle talking about Jesus. This is not somebody in the crowd talking about Jesus. This is Jesus talking about Jesus himself. And he said, God, when I was in glory in heaven with you, I had those things, but now I have stepped into this and I had those things before the world existed. Mind blown to the people listening. You were before all things. You were all things. And then John says this, the beginning of his book, he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and life was the light of men. Now this word logos is the word, word, logos. And in that time period, a lot of people believe that to be a principle or an idea. But John here is speaking of Jesus himself. He says Jesus was the word. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. In the beginning, he was with God. All things were made through him. And without him, not anything that was made that was made. He is speaking of the power of the position of the authority of Jesus. Later on, John comes back in verse 14 to give more clarity. He said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. He says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was before all things, is all things, created all things. He is an authority over all things. And I know that you're going, dude, why are you so excited this morning? Why are you so loud this morning? One of the guys in our church who used to be a coach in Davidson County for about 30 years, he came up to me in the hallway and he says, man, I know exactly what you're doing this morning. It's like a pep talk. I know. I get that excited too when I was coaching. Just get at him, coach. I was like, all right, let's go. I'll go do it again. And why am I so excited? Why am I coming down and just saying, hey, we've got to grasp all these scriptures and if we can this morning, blend them all together to bring the authority of Jesus front and center because five years ago I stood in New York and I watched a little girl sing, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king and then turn around and ask the question, who's Jesus? You sang it this morning. The authority of Jesus being above all things and is all things brings hope and meaning to the manger. It brings a substance of. It makes this Christmas holiday that we celebrate once a year an everyday celebration because of who Jesus Christ was and is. Listen to these words. Hark the herald angels sing. You sang it this morning. It said this. You may have really sung it or you may have kind of casually sung it. Light and life to all He brings. Risen with healing in His wings. Mild He lay His glory by. Meaning He set aside His glory. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Now, when the angels declared glory to God in the highest, Peace on earth. They were not looking down upon a nice crafted nativity set going, isn't that cute? They were looking down from the heavens saying... There is the substance of God made flesh. Right there in the middle of this nowhere town of Bethlehem with shepherds around, right there is the glory and the authority and the supreme Jesus who we've known, he was before all things and is all things and there he is and he is about to blow this world away. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mild He laid His glory by. Born that you no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give you second birth. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. You see, if we can wrestle with and just get an ounce of, not all of it, an ounce of Jesus at creation, before creation, in creation, creating all things, by all things. He is the authority. He declares himself before Abraham, before the world existence. I didn't tell you this in Greek, the word before all all things existed. It's the word before. All right. It's real complicated. It just means before all things were in existence, Jesus was and is. And then we come around and we go in our attics about this time of the year and we bring down these boxes and your boxes may not be like my boxes, but in my boxes, there's a bunch of nativity sets and we put them all over the house. Christmas is over. We package them all up we put them back in the attic and my desire for you is that when you put them back in the attic January 1st that you do not think for a moment that you can put away Jesus You do not think for a moment, that was a quaint year, it was a good Christmas, it was a good family tradition. No, it is hark the herald angels sing, that Jesus Christ, the newborn King, has been born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is Jesus to you? Is he a Jesus of authority, of creation, of supreme, the firstborn, the supreme authority? Is he the substance of God? Because if he is, there is little that can hold you back. If he he is, there's little that can stop you from worshiping. But one more thing that we need to see in Colossians. I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus has the authority to restore my relationship with God. Jesus has the authority to restore my relationship with God. Make that statement. Stay it with me out loud this morning. Jesus has the authority to restore my relationship with God. And I got a feeling that there's somebody in this room this morning that declared that you're not sure you believe that. But I want you to know what Paul says. I want you to know what's echoed in Scripture. Paul says this, For in him all the fullness, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell through him to reconcile to himself whether on earth or in heaven making peace how by the blood of the cross what does this mean to be reconciled i, I guess everybody in this room has had an earthly relationship with another person that you've been you've had brokenness with no doubt is that safe to say that everybody in this room has had some relationship at some point in your life that there's been a broken relationship? In order for there to be reconciliation, there has to be brokenness. And Scripture says what brings brokenness between your relationship and a holy God is your sin and my sin. Scripture says a holy God cannot be in the presence of my sin. He is holy, he is without blemish, he is perfect, he is spotless, but my sin separates him from God. But Colossians, Paul says of Jesus, He can reconcile all things to Himself, making peace, how? By the blood of the cross. This Jesus that you celebrate, this Jesus that you place on tables and around the church and you sing, Hark the Herald, Silent Night, and you make these proclamations, that Jesus draws you back to Himself by the blood of His cross. This is Christmas. This is what I'm celebrating this year. You may have some great festivities, and I hope you do. You may have some great presents under the tree. I hope you do. But this is Christmas. That you can be reconciled and brought into a relationship with a holy God through the death and sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus. All this is from God, Paul says to the church in Corinthians, who though through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ God was reconciled the world, made right, the broken relationship, the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not counting their sins against them, not counting my sin against me, not counting your sin against you, Christ reconciles us. Reconciliation brings us and delivers a relationship. Relationship that brings death to life. Relationship that gives us an audience and acceptance of a holy God. Reconciliation that gives us freedom from sin. Reconciliation. Delivered. Through Jesus. He is above all things. He is all things. He is supreme of all things. He existed before all things. And not only was that all true, but He did so so that He could reconcile you to Himself. A broken, sinful relationship by the blood of the cross. This is Christmas. Who is Jesus to you? I hope you can never look at a nativity the same. I hope you look at every nativity and every time you see a little baby in nativity, you go, wow, that's in there? All authority, all existence, all supreme, my reconcile, my relationship to God began in this place. Have you trusted in Him as your Savior? Have you trusted that Jesus This morning and next week, we're going to continue to examine who is Jesus to you. Not to the person who invited you or the person who drug you here or the person who you promised you'd be here and you came. Who is Jesus to you? Don't take my word for it. Take Jesus' word for it. He says, I am who I am. I've always been. I've always existed. I've created And I've placed myself as a sacrifice for your sin. And then, Scripture tells us, Jesus said Himself, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believe in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This Creator, Sustainer, loves you. Who is Jesus to you? Let's pray this morning.